Italy podcast. This is Nathan Heinrich, and I would like to welcome you back to Season 3, Episode 25. Well, my friend, here we are at the end of another season. For the last year and a half, we have been sharing weekly episodes together, and as I've shared with you many times, it has become such an important part of my week. I never dreamed that a podcast, first of all, that I would ever be doing a podcast, but but that I would ever be doing a podcast and that it would be something that would mean so much to me, but not just the podcast. The podcast is just the structure. It's the people, you, it's you that have made the podcast what it now means to me. Whether you know that or not, that is the truth. And I want to thank you for coming and listening and joining me each week for these episodes where I discuss multiple different things. There's really no rhyme or reason to this podcast except the fact that we're documenting the story of someone who has moved to Italy. And there are plenty of people sharing their stories about moving to Italy. I don't know yet that there's another podcast quite doing exactly what this podcast is doing, but I'm sure that in the future that will not be the case. I'm sure there will be other people, maybe one of you who are listening, who will share your story in the form of a podcast. I hope you do. And I just want to take a moment to thank you for what we've done together in the past year and a half. The move, finding a a place to stay, and now we are right in the middle of moving to our place that we now have here in this city, Conegliano, in the northern part of Italy. I wasn't sure if we'd ever get a place here, or if we did, what kind of place it would be. And so we are literally surrounded by boxes and bags and and getting ready to move and in the process of moving this week. And it's just, it's so interesting how this third season is coming to an end I'm taking a break from podcasting just as we're moving, and it feels like a very, very obvious end to one chapter and a beginning of another. I don't really know where the next chapters are going to lead us, but I'll be sharing them with you in one form or another, and even in the future when this podcast is no longer being recorded live... And if you found this podcast, maybe years after it's been recorded live, then by now you know that you can certainly be following me on Instagram. You could be following me on YouTube, which is going to be one of the ways I'm going to continue this podcast in, in, the, in the biggest way. You can certainly visit All Roads Lead to Italy, the website, which is kind of our newer parent website, uh, which kind of houses everything that we're doing. So that's where you can go to find everything. But of course, the original website, I'm Moving to Italy, that will always be there waiting for you with all of the supporting links and everything that we discuss in the podcast. That will remain as long as the podcast is available to be listened to. That website will be there waiting for you as well. It's so strange to feel like this is the last it's it's a weird goodbye for me because I haven't had anything except for a weekly goodbye to you for the last year and a half and so to be able to have a kind of a a temporary goodbye for the summer it's a strange feeling for me I'm so busy I'm sure that I'm going to fill my Mondays with something else but Mondays are going to feel a little different for me during the summer 
And I know I'm taking the whole month of July off. I don't know if I'm going to take any of the month of August yet. It's going to kind of depend on how things shake out, our travel schedule, where we are, what we're doing. But who knows? I I don't know. You're going to find out when I find out. And sometime in August, I don't know when, but sometime in August, we are going to return to regularly scheduled weekly episodes. And I think that this next season, season four, is going to be one of our best seasons yet. I've got some very interesting interviews lined up. I've got some new segments for you. So it's just going to be a great season and a new chapter, a new adventure. Who knows where we're going to be at the end of season four. It's always interesting to find out what's going to be happening and where we're going to be, where you're going to be in your life. I've been following many of your stories as well. I love, as I've shared with you many times, I love hearing your stories and not just your stories about moving to Italy, but also your travel stories. And anyway, I just, I'm really grateful for you and the fact that you have been here with me on this journey. And I want to thank you for that. And thank you for your messages. Thank you for writing me and your support. In last week's episode, I shared with you that I'd been struggling a bit to stay on top of everything. I'd kind of bitten off a little bit more than I could chew. And so I just, you know, told you I need a little bit of a break to sort of catch up and regroup a little bit and make sure that I'm doing things to the the quality and to the level that I that I want to deliver them to you. There's no point of doing something if you're not going to do it well, in my opinion. And so when I shared that episode with you, I can't tell you how many of you have reached out with encouragement and said, listen, take a break. You need it. <laughs> you probably are trying to do too many things, you crazy guy. But anyway, I want to thank you to those of you who sent me messages and to those of you who just had encouraging thoughts. Thank you as well, because that matters. So as I said, we are in the process of this move. This move is going to bring some very interesting new elements into my life. For one thing, we're going to be moving out of basically what is kind of a neighborhood with houses and villas. We're renting a villa here right now. Granted, it's not a grand villa on a hillside surrounded by a vineyard or anything spectacular like that, but it's a lovely villa in a residential neighborhood, basically, I guess, what you would consider the suburbs of this town. And we're moving into the center of town, into the centro, right in the old part of downtown, right near the train station, There's going to be new sounds. There's going to be new things to see. And I've never in my life lived in an apartment. And so even though this is not permanent, I don't know how to even talk about this apartment because it's it's permanent in that it's ours. We'll probably always have it because as long as Alessandro has family in this town, we'll have a reason to come here and visit. But I have no idea. I mean, I've got friends here now. I'm connected to people in this choir group, and that's that feels really, really great. I'll talk about that in a minute. But anyway, I don't know how long we're going to have this place, but it's going to be certainly for many, many years to come, maybe for the rest of our lives. I don't know. I have fallen in love with the city, and I don't know if that's because it's the first Italian city that I've really lived in for any length of time. It's where I established my residency. It's where I got my first doctor. It's where I had a lot of firsts in Italian. I attended Italian language school here. 
So I know people in this town. This is one of the few towns, the few cities in Italy that I know people. Being so close to Venice in the region of Veneto here, this has been a kind of a putting down of roots, so to speak. So I'm very grateful for this apartment, even though it is not our permanent residence. We're still planning to get that wonderful piece of land and build a beautiful place where we can hopefully have visitors come and maybe have some miniature little residences on the property and sort of create almost like an agriturismo, a beautiful place where I can do lots of filming and share wonderful videos about design and gardening and all kinds of things that I'm very passionate about, things that you cannot do from this apartment where we are currently moving. But I'm kind of also at the same time as I'm somewhat apprehensive, I'm also excited because we are going to be closer walking distance to Alessandro's family members, cousins, grandmother, aunt, mother. We're going to be all in a much closer radius. So we'll, we'll be able to almost walk to each other's places and or, or do a quick bike ride to each other's homes. So that's one thing that's great. We're going to be close to the train station so we can just walk to the train station, hop on the train and go to a nearby town, go into Venice, wherever we want to go. There's going to be the sound of the train, the sounds of the city. It's the first time I've ever lived in an apartment. It's also the first time I've ever lived anything other than the first floor of a building. I mean, I've never even lived in a building. I've only lived in a home, in a house, ever. I've never lived in anything other than a house. So to, to have an apartment where you've got an elevator, stairs, a door that you have to be buzzed in, and balconies overlooking a somewhat busy street and other buildings around you with people able to look into your balcony. I don't know. The whole thing is just, it's actually a very Italian way to live. And so I suppose it's going to help me to understand Italians because the majority of Italians live in apartments. And even though I'm not really an apartment person, I was raised on a farm and raised out in the country and apartments sort of just naturally go against my grain. I suppose it's going to be a really kind of fun new experience and I'm choosing to embrace it and be excited about it. One thing, I love creating a new home. I love, you know, pieces of art and getting lighting and getting the right furniture and, you know, you guys know how much fun I have when I when I go to my favorite shops here and go shopping for art and lighting and all the different things that you know you need in a home. This particular apartment comes with some furniture as many apartments in Italy do. If you want some of the furniture, it's easier for them to leave some of the older furniture behind and then it gives you the option of not having to get a whole bunch of new things. So there are some really lovely pieces that the previous owners left behind and now we're able to use some of them and then some of them we're going to get rid of so they just left everything fortunately they also left the kitchen which means we didn't have to get a whole new kitchen which oftentimes is the case for italian homes and italian kitchens it's it's a very bizarre thing for an american i i don't i still have a hard time wrapping my brain around when you move, you take your kitchen with you. It's so interesting. It's so Italian. It's so non-American. I mean, the idea of an American trying to take their kitchen with them when they moved to a new place. One thing to see, maybe take a refrigerator, or take a 
a stove, but even that is unusual. But to take an entire kitchen and when you walk into an apartment, <laughs> the kitchen is just literally wires and hoses and pipes that have to be connected to a new kitchen and new appliances. It's very interesting. So fortunately, we didn't have to do that. I'm sure that in the future someday, I don't know when, someday we'll probably put our own nicer kitchen in. It's a, a fairly basic kitchen. And anyway, it's all going to be a very new experience for me. And I'm looking forward to sharing that with you. So by the time I talk to you all, again in uh, in August when we reconvene for season four, I'll have a lot more to share with you. I'll have new sounds to share with you. I'll have new experiences. I'll have stories maybe about the neighbors in the building. And I have no idea how much time we're going to spend there. I don't know if we're going to be there for the rest of the year. I don't know. I really don't know. I just, I just like most things here in Italy, I've set a, a basic overall master plan. And then I'm also just going with the flow because there are unforeseen things that happen. There are family health issues to take into consideration. There, There's Italian language school that kept me here for much longer than I expected. And so there's just been a lot of different things that have affected, you know, why we're still here. And while we stayed here, I was able to make some connections here that were really, really important to me. So one of those connections, of course, is the choir. Now, I've been going to practices, going to concerts, and hanging out at different times with the choir group, but did not officially join because I wasn't sure, you know, how that was going to work. There's no point of joining something and committing to something and then realize uh, you're moving away and never to live in this town again. But when we decided we're going to get a place here, I felt as though, okay, at least for the rest of this year, maybe, maybe, I can be comfortable committing to the choir. And it was like a 100 euro admittance fee. And you had to buy, you know, a couple outfits for the choir group, the the vestments and all of that. So anyway, uh, I was able to commit and I've been going to the practices and it's been fun riding along in the car with some of the choir members and my neighbor here, who, Loretta, who actually is the person who told me about the choir, she's like, yeah, we sing in a gospel choir, we sing in English, and you should join us. You'll be the only American in the group, and it'll be so fun, if you've, especially if you've singed in choirs before. So it'd be so great to have you join us. So anyway, as you know, long story short, I joined the choir. Well, we've been building up to this one particular concert, and that concert was held yesterday. So just about a 10-minute drive here from our home. We drove out yesterday. Alessandro dropped me off at this villa out in the country, surrounded by vineyards, Prosecco vineyards, this beautiful view of the mountains that are surrounding us here in the city. We were kind of on a hill, and there was this beautiful view and this long, long, um, I don't even know what you would call it, I guess almost like a promenade, but this long, view, this vista that looks out over this sort of this ravine and this this area that's all planted in what I believe are beans. And so anyway, there was this sort of tree-lined vista lined with cypress trees and this beautiful villa that was actually from like the 15th or 16th century that was part of the, I, the Doge's family from 
from Venice. So it was like this Venetian family of royalty, and this was their country home. It's absolutely gorgeous. They now use the property for weddings and events and different things. And so 200 people came to this event, and I was kind of excited. I, I wasn't really sure what kind of event it was going to be. It was my first time singing with this group. Now, as you know, I've shared plenty of surrounding sounds with you where I've gone to their concerts for Christmas and different things, but this was the first time I got to spend a day and it was a very interesting experience. As usual, I did most things wrong, made a bunch of mistakes. So anyway, Alessandro drops me off at this house at three o'clock in the afternoon and the concert wasn't supposed to start until six. So I'm thinking to myself, I wonder why we're supposed to be there three hours early. Well, first of all, we had to all dress up in our different outfits, but especially our robes, our choir robes, which are green and gold. And we had to take pictures. There's about, I think, around 30 or so members of the choir that sang in yesterday's concert. So 30 of us, but it was very, very hot but we were still had to dress in our choir robes and go out and take pictures. There was a lot of laughing. I was able to experience these choir members in a non-practice setting. It's the first time I really hung out with them that wasn't a practice at a church, in a church basement where we were practicing music and we were just there for the simple you know, purpose of practicing. I was able to hang out with them. We were eating fresh watermelon, together while we were waiting for the concert to start. And so after we took pictures and we were sort of laughing and being silly and their personalities became known to me and they just naturally think I'm kind of, I think, a little bit goofy and a little bit funny. I don't know that they nearly know what to make of the American that has joined them, but most of them, I think, I think they like me. And so we get along well. I think they just, I think they're, they're sort of, amused maybe by me and they also know that my italian language skills are quite poor i don't even know all their names because i i mean trying to learn 30 people's names and that's something that's very very upsetting for me when i don't know people's names but they all know my name so they all say ciao nathan ciao nathan nathan come stai fa caldo fa caldo Say uh, pronto? Like, are you ready? Are you are you hot? Uh, how are you doing? Like, and so they all go out of the way to make me feel welcome, and that's just lovely. Sort of caught myself a few times, and I sort of really grabbed my, uh, sort of figuratively grabbed myself by the shoulders, and was like, Nathan, like, be in this moment, be present in this moment, and realize what this is. This is you, surrounded by a whole group of people that just a year ago, you didn't know any of them and you'd never even laid eyes on them before. And now they're calling you by name. They're treating you like part of their family, like part of their group. You're singing in a choir with them at this gorgeous 15th century Italian villa out in the country. Like you're living your dream, a version of your dream that you never could have imagined. But the dream that you opened yourself up to when you moved to Italy, you knew you'd have some sort of connections, even though you didn't know what those were going to be. So I'm telling myself, I'm talking to myself, I'm sort of like, you know, making sure I'm aware of what this moment means. This is, this is important. So be present, I kept telling myself. Embrace this moment. I don't do that enough in life in general. I, I'm so goal-oriented. I just, I'm just one thing after another. And 
that's great, I think. But I also, what that does is that really makes me miss certain moments if I'm not really careful. And so I'm trying my best to be more present, more conscious about where I am and what I'm doing. And so anyway, so we took the pictures together and we were laughing and there was a guy there with a drone and he was taking drone shots and I was I had my camera equipment there and I was taking shots so I've got some footage I'll share with you and you know so you can kind of see where I was and the villa and everything and how gorgeous the views were and and some some funny silly shots of the choir all dressed up in their choir robes and anyway I want you to experience a bit of what I experienced. So I, I took a lot of video footage. And of course, I'm going to share some of that in my, my surrounding sounds for today. But anyway, I just I, I just have to tell you that it was really fabulous. And then then I found out that we had to practice. Okay, that makes sense to have practice, to have a little bit of a rehearsal right before, you know, we're going to, you know, sing. But we had to actually practice right out in the sun in this courtyard that was covered in gravel, beautiful courtyard. There's fountains and, you know, big walls of the villa around us and gardens and everything. But we had a stage and we were right in front of this reflective wall and all this light colored gravel. And the heat was coming down directly on us. There were no shade trees around us. There was nothing shading us. Now, I am a fair-skinned, blue-eyed Scandinavian, (laughs) Swiss Scandinavian, so I have not a drop of olive-skinned blood in my body, (laughs) and I don't do well in the sun. Thank God I had the foresight to bring a hat with me, so I brought a, a, I put sunscreen on and I had a brimmed hat on, but the mistake that I made that I didn't know about is we all, instead of singing in our choir robes, which they probably thought would be too hot to sing in, we had to sing in these black shirts that have the logo of the choir on them and black pants. And so I didn't know we had to have a rehearsal. I didn't know we should wear other clothes and then change into this. I, I brought my choir robe in a garment bag and I wore my black pants, my black boots, and my my black shirt that I was supposed to wear for the concert. And then I had to be in that outfit for the next three hours and then the two hours of the concert. So I, I got there and I'm the only one of the entire choir that's wearing my black outfit. And I soon found out why that was a bad idea. These black leather boots that are these Italian slip-on boots uh, with these black pants and this black shirt absorbed the sun. And even though I was wearing that hat, uh, the sun was baking me. In fact, it was so hot that the sun was like literally burning my feet through the boots because the sun was hitting the black boots, absorbing the heat. And my feet were like on fire because anyway, I've never experienced my feet being so hot before in a pair of shoes. So anyway, I'm sweating like a pig (laughs) and it's only the rehearsal. And we rehearsed for a solid hour in the sun. I I don't want to be negative, (laughs) but why couldn't we have chosen a spot in the shade? There were so many big, beautiful trees. My goodness, that was the most miserable experience singing I've ever had in my life. I'm dripping sweat. 
My feet are burning. <laughs> I'm wearing, everybody's looking at me. They've all got sleeveless shirts and shorts and sun hats and, and they're all letting their skin, you know, absorb. They're all Italians. So they're all letting their olive skin absorb the sun and they're all just, most of them have fans, you know, those handheld fans. They're fanning themselves and there I am all in black, sweating and on fire. <laughs> and they're all asking me, Nathan, didn't you bring another shirt? Didn't you bring another shirt? Don't you have another outfit? I'm like, no, I don't. And they're all just like, oh, povera, povera Nathan, povera Nathan, poor Nathan. <laughs> but anyway, I made it through the rehearsal. And so I finally, I had some time to cool down before the concert started. And so I had the opportunity to visit with several people and, and, drink a lot of water. I thank goodness I brought two giant, really cold bottles of water with me. And I was able to do some filming and just, I was able to just kind of cool down. Well, then the concert arrived. So even though I've been to a couple of these concerts before in churches, oftentimes the church is not completely filled because it's a huge church and the church doesn't fill up. But this time we were in this courtyard and the whole courtyard was filled with chairs and there were people gathering and Alessandro and his mother and his aunt came and I saved them some nice s seats in the shade. Fortunately, the audience was in the shade by the time that the concert started. But that stage where we were supposed to stand and sing was still fully in the sun. And we are at the longest days of the year here in June, the end of June, longest days of the year. So I'm thinking to myself, surely the sun is going to go behind that big magnolia tree before too long. And so we, it came time, we were introduced and the choir, you know, we filed out and we got on stage and we started singing and I'm squinting. Now I couldn't wear my hat for the choir. So now I'm in the same spot as I was before, wearing the same clothes I've been sweating in for the last like three and a half hours. <laughs> but now I don't even have the option of wearing a hat. And even though it wasn't three o'clock in the afternoon, when, you know, the hottest part of the day, it was still six o'clock and the sun was still quite high in the sky, beating down. And I sang my heart out along with everyone else. And we sounded great. Nobody fainted. Thank goodness. I was like, this might be the first time in my life that I like pass out because of sunstroke. I was so hot, but I didn't. And at the final 15 minutes of the concert, the sun finally sank below this enormous magnolia tree. And we got a little bit of relief and we were in the shade. And the final couple of songs were quite a pleasure to sing. Again, as I'm standing there singing, I had another one of those moments where I had to sort of grab myself. I'm looking out at this audience that's clapping. You know, we're singing gospel music and the gospel music, it, we're singing in the style of like a black gospel, you know, choir, like a Harlem, like the Harlem choir or, you know, all the different, you know, wonderful black gospel choirs that you've maybe heard in, in the United States. If you've ever been to a black church or you've seen what a black church is, they really get into their music. And so, although we don't hold the candle to a black choir, Italians are pretty, they're pretty enthusiastic people too. Even the Northern Italians, even though they're a little bit less loud and vivacious than people in the South, 
they still really were getting into it. So the whole audience is clapping along with us the whole time. We're clapping because the choir claps a lot with their songs. And there we are clapping. And I'm looking out to this audience of these people that are so, they've got smiles on their faces. They're smiling at us. I'm smiling back at them. We're singing. We're all just in it. The, the director, Alessandro, is his name. He's just sweating. He's in this white sort of tunic outfit made out of linen and all these people the women are wearing these beautiful sundresses and hats and it's this beautiful audience smiling clapping and loving what we're sharing the music that we're sharing with them and granted it's all in english most of them only speak italian so they don't understand anything except the music and the energy they don't understand the words most of the choir that are singing don't even understand the words that they're singing. They're just singing. And I'm one of the few people. So I'm standing there thinking, what a gift this is that you have, Nathan. You're singing in your own language, your own native English. And you are sharing this with this, this audience of Italian people that are just loving it. You're singing with fellow Italians. And don't ever forget this moment at this beautiful location. It was incredible. It was hard to put into words, but it was one of those moments that I'll never forget and I was so grateful for. Well, that brings us to our reading of The Alchemist. This is the final reading of The Alchemist. So the short passage I'm going to be reading for you today in Italian is the very end of the book, and it's the moment where Santiago realizes that he has found his treasure. And so Anyway, the word for treasure is tesoro. So listen for the word tesoro. And then, of course, after I finish reading this, Jeremy Irons will take us to the end of the story, and you'll be able to hear exactly how the story ends in full. So here is my final reading of The Alchemist. Il ragazzo si alzò con difficoltà e, una volta ancora, guardò le piradimi queste gli sorrisero e lui con il cuore colmo di felicità ricambio il sorriso aveva trovato il tesoro the alchemist said no matter what he does every person on earth plays a central role in the history of the world and normally he doesn't know it the boy smiled he had never imagined that questions about life would be of such importance to a shepherd goodbye the alchemist said goodbye said the boy the boy rode along through the desert for several hours listening avidly to what his heart had to say. It was his heart that would tell him where his treasure was hidden. Where your treasure is, there also will be your heart, the alchemist had told him. But his heart was speaking of other things. With pride, it told the story of a shepherd who had left his flock to follow a dream he had on two different occasions. It told of personal legends and of the many men who had wandered in search of distant lands or beautiful women, confronting the people of their times with their preconceived notions. It spoke of journeys, discoveries, books, and change. 
As he was about to climb yet another dune, his heart whispered, Be aware of the place where you are brought to tears. That's where I am, and that's where your treasure is. The boy climbed the dune slowly. A full moon rose again in the starry sky. It had been a month since he had set forth from the oasis. The moonlight cast shadows through the dunes, creating the appearance of a rolling sea. It reminded the boy of the day that the horse had reared in the desert, and he had come to know the alchemist. And the moon fell on the desert silence, and on a man's journey in search of treasure. When he reached the top of the dune, his heart leapt. There, illuminated by the light of the moon and the brightness of the desert, stood the solemn and majestic Pyramids of Egypt. The boy fell to his knees and wept. He thanked God for making him believe in his personal legend and for leading him to meet a king, a merchant, an Englishman and an alchemist. And above all, for his having met a woman of the desert who had told him that love would never keep a man from his personal legend. If he wanted to, he could now return to the oasis, go back to Fatima and live his life as a simple shepherd. After all, the alchemist continued to live in the desert, even though he understood the language of the world and knew how to transform lead into gold. He didn't need to demonstrate his science and art to anyone. The boy told himself that on the way toward realizing his own personal legend, he had learned all he needed to know and had experienced everything he might have dreamed of. But here he was, at the point of finding his treasure, and he reminded himself that no project is completed until its objective has been achieved. The boy looked at the sands around him and saw that where his tears had fallen, a scarab beetle was scuttling through the sand. During his time in the desert, he had learned that in Egypt, the scarab beetles are a symbol of God. Another omen. The boy began to dig into the dune. As he did so, he thought of what the crystal merchant had once said, that anyone could build a pyramid in his backyard. The boy could see now that he couldn't do so if he placed stone upon stone for the rest of his life. Throughout the night, the boy dug at the place he had chosen, but found nothing. He felt weighted down by the centuries of time since the pyramids had been built, but he didn't stop. He struggled to continue digging as he fought the wind, which often blew the sand back into the excavation. His hands were abraded and exhausted, but he listened to his heart. It had told him to dig where his tears fell. As he was attempting to pull out the rocks he encountered, he heard footsteps. Several figures approached him. Their backs were to the moonlight, and the boy could see neither their eyes nor their faces. What are you doing here? one of the figures demanded. Because he was terrified, the boy didn't answer. He had found where his treasure was and was frightened of what might happen. We're refugees from the tribal wars and we need money, the other figure said. What are you hiding there? I'm not hiding anything, the boy answered. But one of them seized the boy and yanked him back out of the hole. Another, who was searching the boy's bags, found the piece of gold. There's gold here, he said. The moon shone on the face of the Arab who had seized him. And in the man's eyes, the boy saw death. He's probably got more gold hidden in the ground. They made the boy continue digging, but he found nothing. As the sun rose, 
the men began to beat the boy. He was bruised and bleeding. His clothing was torn to shreds and he felt that death was near. What good is money to you if you're going to die? It's not often that money can save someone's life, the alchemist had said. Finally, the boy screamed at the men, I'm digging for treasure! And although his mouth was bleeding and swollen, he told his attackers that he had twice dreamed of a treasure hidden near the pyramids of Egypt. The man who appeared to be the leader of the group spoke to one of the others. Leave him. He doesn't have anything else. He must have stolen this gold. The boy fell to the sand, nearly unconscious. The leader shook him and said, We're leaving. But before they left, he came back to the boy and said, You're not going to die, you'll live. And you'll learn that a man shouldn't be so stupid. Two years ago, right here on this spot, I had a recurrent dream too. I dreamed that I should travel to the fields of Spain and look for a ruined church where shepherds and their sheep slept. In my dream, there was a sycamore growing out of the ruins of the sacristy. And I was told that if I dug at the roots of the sycamore, I would find a hidden treasure. I'm not so stupid as to cross an entire desert just because of a recurrent dream. And they disappeared. The boy stood up shakily and looked once more at the pyramids. They seemed to laugh at him. And he laughed back, his heart bursting with joy because now he knew where his treasure was. The boy reached the small abandoned church just as night was falling. The sycamore was still there in the sacristy and the stars could still be seen through the half-destroyed roof. He remembered the time he had been there with his sheep. It had been a peaceful night, except for the dream. Now he was here, not with his flock, but with a shovel. He sat looking at the sky for a long time. Then he took from his knapsack a bottle of wine and drank some. He remembered the night in the desert when he had sat with the alchemist as they looked at the stars and drank wine together. He thought of the many roads he had traveled and of the strange way God had chosen to show him his treasure. If he hadn't believed in the significance of recurrent dreams, he would not have met the gypsy woman, the king, the thief, or, well, it's a long list. But the path was written in the omens, and there was no way I could go wrong, he said to himself. He fell asleep, and when he awoke, the sun was already high. He began to dig at the base of the sycamore. You old sorcerer, the boy shouted up to the sky. You knew the whole story. You even left a bit of gold at the monastery so I could get back to this church. The monk laughed when he saw me come back in tatters. Couldn't you have saved me from that? No, he heard the voice on the wind say. If I had told you, you wouldn't have seen the pyramids. They're beautiful, aren't they? The boy smiled and continued digging. Half an hour later, his shovel hit something solid. An hour later, he had before him a chest of Spanish gold coins. There were also precious stones, gold masks adorned with red and white feathers, and stone statues embedded with jewels. 
the spoils of a conquest that the country had long ago forgotten and that some conquistador had failed to tell his children about. The boy took out Urim and Thummim from his bag. He had used the stones only once, one morning when he was at a marketplace. His life and his path had always provided him with enough omens. He placed Urim and Thummim in the chest. They were also a part of his new treasure, because they were a reminder of the old king, whom he would never see again. It's true. Life really is generous to those who pursue their personal legend, the boy thought. Then he remembered that he had to get to Tarifa, so he could give one-tenth of his treasure to the gypsy woman, as he had promised. Those gypsies are really smart, he thought. Maybe it was because they moved around so much. The wind began to blow again. It was the Levanta, the wind that came from Africa. It didn't bring with it the smell of the desert, nor the threat of Moorish invasion. Instead, it brought the scent of a perfume he knew well, and the touch of a kiss. A kiss that came from far away, slowly, slowly, until it rested on his lips. The boy smiled. It was the first time she had done that. I'm coming, Fatima, he said. Well, what a great ending to the story of the alchemist, right? I love that ending. <laughs> it's the best. And um, somehow I always feel like I'm hearing it for the first time every time I hear it. I hope you enjoyed it, especially if you've never heard the story before. And thank you for sharing and allowing me to revisit that story that I haven't listened to and haven't read for quite a while. So I appreciate you taking the time to share that with me. Well, that brings us to a moment of thanks and gratitude to our sponsors for the show. That is, of course, our original sponsor, which is ExpressVPN. I want to thank ExpressVPN for sponsoring us and taking a chance on our podcast, but more than anything, offering an invaluable tool to me and you, who any of us who plan to travel for long periods of time or move to Italy, or even if you live at home and you travel a lot and you just want to protect yourself and your identity from big tech companies and have the ability to use public Wi-Fi without being afraid of having your identity stolen and your devices hacked. So thank you to ExpressVPN for allowing us to be able to make and receive free calls and text messages to use our streaming services while we're traveling abroad. It is a fantastic service. Make sure you visit I'm Moving to Italy for the links to the special offer that ExpressVPN is sharing with all of our listeners. I'd also like to thank our newest sponsor, which is Babbel. Thank you to Babbel Language and their fantastic program that offers a lifetime membership. For a limited time, they are offering it for 60% off a lifetime subscription to Babbel. After doing quite a bit of research, I found that Babbel was by far the best language learning app for Italian, but also any language. They offer many different languages, and 
I feel as though for the rest of my life, I've got the very best language learning system that I can possibly have. So thank you to both of our sponsors, ExpressVPN and Babbel Language, the links to both of our wonderful sponsors and the offers that they are generously sharing with all of you, the listeners, are on the website, imovingtoitaly.com. Check them out. I'd like to also give a special thank you to Vera and Irene from Kike Language for everything that they contributed to season three. They helped to make the second half of this season extra special, and I'm looking forward to sharing time with them in the future. And I want to just, again, say thank you to both of you, Vera and Irene, for sharing your time and giving us the very, very best Italian language coaching that there is available. So make sure you also visit their website, kikelanguage.com. You've got links to their website on my website, or you can go directly to their website. If you'd like to learn Italian for your next trip to Italy or before moving here to Italy and you want the best language coaches available, Kike Language, they are the best. Trust me, I can tell you from personal experience, they are my personal language coaches. I know many of you are using them as your coaches. And if you are looking for a language coach, you need to look no further than Kike Language. They are the best. Well, that brings us to our surrounding sounds for this week's episode. I've got a couple different sounds to share with you. I've got some sounds from a recent parade that took place here in the downtown. I am normally not the kind of person that really enjoys going to parades. Too many crowds. I'm not really a, a fan of large crowds of people. But I happened to be walking through the downtown and found myself in the middle of a parade and started filming and capturing the sounds to share with you. So I've got some wonderful sounds from this parade here with groups of all different types. There were flag throwers. I know that that's not the right term. I'm sure there's a different term. There were the the group, the Alpi, which are a group of, I think, kind of a historic group from the maybe first and second, or maybe at least one of the world wars. I need to brush up on my history of who the Alpi are. They, they were riding bikes in the parade, these old-fashioned antique bikes and these funky helmets with rooster feathers coming off of them. It was quite a sight to see. And lots of kids and different organizations and groups and people carrying big, (laughs) big gondolas from Venice and people wearing these building cutouts on their head. There was just a whole bunch of chaos and people with drums and it was just, it was fantastic. So I've got that sound for you. And then I've got a couple sounds from this concert that I sang in yesterday. So I've got some of the sounds from the choir group. I've got some of the sounds of me walking around, taking some videos of the villa. I've just got some different sounds from that day with the choir at the villa. So enjoy those sounds, and I will be back afterwards to say a final goodbye for season three.
E ora, signori e signori, a voi il River Gospel Mass Choir.
hope you enjoyed those sounds from this week's episode. And again, thank you to you for sharing this past season with me. I am incredibly grateful for you. I feel like you're my family. And I just want to say I'm looking forward to having a wonderful summer. I hope you have fantastic summer plans. I'm really hoping that those summer plans include Italy. But if they don't, I'm going to be back here to share more of Italy with you in August. I don't know when yet, but it's going to be sometime in August. So I hope you have a wonderful summer. I hope that you spend time with friends and family doing things that you love, that you're able to rest and recoup. I hope that you're able to stay cool, find a wonderful ocean or a lake or a swimming pool to cool off in. So anyway, have a fantastic summer. So wherever you are listening to the sound of my voice today, I hope you are healthy and well. And I look forward to being back here with you towards the end of summer. So until then, take care. God bless. Ciao, ciao, ciao.